Hi and welcome to Shaky's Sports Journeys. Belter of an episode ahead for you today. Um, I'll start by just mentioning that you can subscribe to Shaky Sports Journeys on uh, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and Apple. Um, we have got loads of different sporting journeys for you. We've also launched uh, football shows, rugby shows and cricket shows, as well as many stories from people from all different sports. I also want to give a shout out to uh, old teammate of mine, Rennie Keith of PSL Sports, who kindly gave me this uh, lovely new hoodie that I'll be rocking on all future podcasts. But I'm now going to pass over to my good man and co-host, Mr. Flanners. Shaky, thanks very much. Um, I have to admit, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I think, you know, growing up, I think it was between maybe 19 and 25, this man was a part of my life, uh, mostly as we saw, sat at the sidelines talking rubbish as I was 12th man. Uh, and to be honest, Juddy, I think, spent more time with me trying to improve my fielding than he did with anyone else. And unfortunately, he's probably the only person he's ever failed to improve his fielding. Um, so, yeah, listen, a big warm welcome. Uh, Tony, how are you doing, mate? Hey, I'm Flanners. How are Kazem? How are you? Very well, Juddy. Good <laughs> to have you with us all the way from Darwin. Good to have you with Darwin. Are you, keeping, mate? are you keeping well? Yeah, look, it's God's country. And before we probably go on, I, I must say, I, I felt I feel terribly for what's been going on in the UK. Uh, it's, it's had some moments here in Australia, but here in the Northern Territory, we've been pretty much COVID-free for 12 months. So uh, I ring a lot of friends back home in Scotland and um, God knows what it's like to go through the lockdowns you have. And I just hope anyone that's had any issues with this, uh, everything's going all right for you and uh, hope you all stay safe. I appreciate Thanks, it. It's been it's difficult for people, difficult for people with kids. And I think it's uh, yeah. it's been some dark times, to be fair. But listen, you know, uh, you sunning yourself up there, telling us you're fishing today. You look like you've caught a bit of sun, mate. So you had a good day. Yeah, I caught a lot of sun today and uh, caught a few fish as well. Um, it's, it's pretty much every day of the year here, anywhere between 30 and 34 degrees. So... Um, Beautiful. It's a different, it's a different, I never came to Darwin until I uh, left Scotland. I'd never been here when I was living in Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I put sunscreen on my lips, but forgot about the rest of my face. So I've, I've caught a bit. Yeah. You just mentioned, Juddy, you mentioned, obviously, you, you know, your time in Scotland, mate. I want to take us back, if possible. Me and Shake are going to look at where it all started for you in Scotland. You came across as, well, obviously to Greenock, was that a, was it a coaching gig first up, mate, or player coach gig, was it? It's, it's an amazing story because uh, I'd come over the year before I finally came to Scotland to a World Cricket Coaches Conference uh, representing Tasmanian cricket. And the only way I got that gig was to prove that I would then go and visit our uh, Sheffield Shield players uh, who were playing for counties at that time. There was about three of them. And there was one other Tasmanian player who was playing for Greenock, which was Dean Hills. Um, so part of my remit for having the junket to go all the way to the UK for a coaches conference was to check on Damien Wright, Jamie Cox, David Boone and Dean Hills. Mm -hmm. I think Boone was at Durham, Jamie was uh, at Somerset and Damien Wright was at North Hants and then uh, Dean was up in Greenock. All four of those visits to those players were nothing short of 
a baby fest and they were fantastic. But I got to Greenock and I got down the tail end of the Greenock marquee weekend and Dean Hill said to me, will you please stay another night here in Greenock and take these blokes for training? They're awful. <laughs> it's terrible. And I hate it. And I said, no, no, I'm going up north for a bit of a holiday now before I go back to the Please stay one more night. So I tell you what, if you come up north with me, I'll come back and we'll have a training session. At that stage, I was assistant coach with Tasmania, the southern-based Tasmanian Tigers. Um, in those days, we had north, south. And assistant coaches didn't travel with the Shield teams back then. But I took a training session for Greenock. And my great friend, who everyone will know on this podcast, Kenny Godsman, saw it and rang one of my other great friends who became my employer, Jimmy Lepic, who was based in London at the time, and said, we need to have more of this. We need to get this bloke back. So they flew me back for six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, they said, um, do you know what? We'd like to have you come back full time. Yeah. But me, Aussie with no visa rights, whatever else. At the time, I, my first wife actually had a British passport. So I was able to get back into the country on a British passport and I got a 12-month visa and the rest is history, really. It all worked out. Even though we'd separated, I managed to get an indefinite stay visa. So I could have lived in the UK for the rest of my life. And Greenock was the reason for that, not Scotland. I had no idea about Scotland. But the reason I gave up my job in Tassie was I knew that as far as I got with coaching and whatever else there, I was never going to get a gig at first-class level yeah. in Tasmania. Mm -hmm. um, there's a thing here in Australia where pretty much if you haven't played at that level or you haven't played at test level, you're highly unlikely to get a coaching gig. So I took a punt. Yes, I'll go and coach Greenock. But I had hoped in the background that maybe something good would come of it, which was Scotland. And at that time, Jim Love had taken um, Scotland to a World Cup qualifier and failed. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Greenock was winning everything. And I'd introduced a number of things, I think, to Scottish cricket where people were saying, what the hell is going on here? This is different to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to see more of this as well. And then all of a sudden, I was appointed interim coach of Scotland. And I'm not even sure I was ever appointed officially head coach, but I, I kept that job for the best part of three years. Jimmy so Lepic. that's how it happened. Jimmy Lepic, money man, is that right? Jimmy Lepic paid for me lock, stock and barrel. And, um, yeah, I can't thank him enough. Uh, he, Greenock, uh, much maligned, but they had foresight. They had the desire to become the best cricket team in the land, and they did for a best part of about nearly 10 years. And, um, you know, five Scottish Cups, they had never won one since they joined the competition in 1864. Um, they won league titles. They, they won Western Unions, you name it. And you be very careful when you say that because they won them. You have a coach, that's fine. But at the end of the day, we had good players. We had money backing us. Um, we were lucky to get guys like Shannon Bakes, who fell in love with a girl over there. We had Chris Swan, who finished up playing for Queensland when they were amateurs over there. We were very lucky. And Great Jimmy player. Lepic... He played as well that you had the likes uh, of Dighton that came in as well. He was class. Dighton, Jason Crazier, uh, Corey, Richards was a, Corey Richards was a superstar uh, in New South Wales. 
Um, money helps, but at the end of the day, you can't, you can't agree. And I, I, I still say to this day, we didn't get that lucky because we, I, I think we were training a certain way. We were training like a, as you'd expect to go to a shield training squad here in um, Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And we, and, but it was so many games we won where our local players got us over the line when our big players failed. There was an atmosphere around the club that was electric. You can love Jimmy, you can hate Jimmy, but by God, that man has some foresight. And the real key to it all was Kenny Gosman as well. Great He's, story. And, great great yeah. story, the way, the way it came about. It's, 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 oh, and, you know, Kenny Gosman, don't forget, then became very much a part of a lot of people's life with Scotland cricket as well. Yeah. He wasn't zeroed in just on... And Jimmy was on the board at Cricket Scotland for a while as well. Um, it was it was sensational times. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we partied hard. We played hard. But most importantly, we really trained hard. And uh, I can still think of the David Thompsons of the world from uh, Greenock. I think of the Stuart McDonalds and people like that. Their seasons during that time were probably the best they ever had as well. And when did, um, when did your love child come into the free? When did Richie Brown come around? Uh, yeah, it's funny. I think I met him when he was about 10, I think. And, um, yeah, don't forget, he'd been born in South Africa, but he'd come to Scotland, I think, about two or three, four years of age. But clearly his parents and everyone else were cricket people. And, you know, it's like in Scotland. I mean, Edinburgh gets a lot of English people up there that love cricket and... Greenock doesn't get that. Well, Richie was a gift in a sense, a little South African kid that wanted to be the best he could be. Um, and you notice very quickly with him, he had, he had some ability. Um, I think relatively brain dead and uh, certainly can't travel on a plane. But apart from that, you could see this kid was a cricketer. The same way I could see Kaz or you or whatever else to say, these kids are cricketers. And um, I, I wanted I wanted to talk, ask you about the first time I ever met you, Judy. Um, what the, the, was that? The, the great Mike Stanger had um, obviously you'd made you'd made a lot of uh, you'd made a lot of kind of noise over at Greenup. Things were going really well. Um, you mentioned the likes of Shannon Bates. I remember playing a game when I was about fifteen at Clydesdale, and it was Dean Hills at first slip, Tom Black at second slip, mm-hmm. Shannon Bates steaming in, and it was like I was playing in a proper. You know, proper yeah. like a county standard. That's how good. That's a good Stroppy. Stroppy had made the move to Greenock as well. You had a you had a proper proper team. But I was introduced to you at Hutchison Grammar. Um, Mike Stanger had brought you in, and uh, you loved the bowling machine. I mean, you're way too lazy to be doing throwdowns. It was my first yeah. introduction to a bowling machine, and I remember you tossed it up to like late seventies. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. Um, mm. And I don't know if you were just trying to fill me with confidence. I think you were. I think you were talking nonsense. But you said oh, you were about the same. You're about the same level of talent as Ricky Ponting at his age. And I remember thinking, I'm going to take on the world. Didn't quite work out like that, Jerry. Well, I didn't go far away, mate. You got to play for your country. So not many people can say that. No matter where you live, no matter what you do, um, I, I, I still really, you know, I've come back here and people have said to me, "Oh, well, who are you?" and well, you only coached Scotland. Yeah, well, yeah, I did. But I got to go to World Cups. I got to go to tournaments all over the world. Um, I got to take players like yourselves and, and get them to compete at English county games and things like that. And never once did we ever 
treat ourselves as we can't do this or we're not good enough. Um, there's a lot of shield cricketers that will play shield cricket in Australia for 10 or 15 years. They get no World Cups, mm-hmm. no tournaments, no international thing. Don't get to play against Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, Pakistan. We all did that. And it's amazing to think that. Now, sure, we're not likely to beat the big boys. Uh, although recently, uh, unbelievable, Scotland have beat Sri Lanka, they've beaten England, uh, as Ireland have done and things like that. But most people look at it and go, oh, Scotland even have a cricket team or whatever else. Yeah. We had some terrific talent all through those years, Richie won and, and whatever else. And, you know, you talk about your Tom Blatt's going back. That guy was a sublime batsman, beautiful, beautiful cricketer to watch. Had I remember Dean Hill saying, Dean Hills used to say to me, man, this guy can play, all right? So it's always a case. And I grew up um, when I went to Tasmania. Tasmania were the whipping boys of everyone in Australia. And all of a sudden, Greg Shippard, their head coach, produces guys like Ponting. And, you know, these guys are born too. Don't get me wrong. They're born. But Ponting, Divin Udo, Sean Youngs, people like that. They're incredible cricketers mm-hmm. coming from a tiny, tiny state. Yeah. And the short answer to it all is, is that never say never. Um, when I took over Scotland, uh, we entered the English One Day County Championship mm-hmm. for the first time ever. Yeah. For the first time ever. And Mike Hendricks, the ex-England fast bowler, was my assistant coach. What a great man he was too, by the way. I loved him. And... Um, you know, he said to me the day I got the job, he said, um, you realise you'll only win one out of 250 games that you play. And I went, Mike, Jesus, well, what's the point? Mm. I just couldn't accept it and I wouldn't accept it. I think Scotland won three of their first four yeah. in their entry into the English one-day league. We beat Somerset, Durham and Lancashire. Who was your, players in, who was your good players, Juddy? Well, the, the three wins that we had then, Ryan, we're all amateurs. We're all amateurs apart from John Kent, who I think maybe had played one or two one-day internationals for South Africa. Mm-hmm. When we, when we um, beat Lancashire, I think nine of their guys had played test cricket. Their overseas players were Stuart Law and Carl Hooper, for God's sake. You had Sarge Mahmood, you had Chapels, you had uh, all sorts of guys that had played for England, Malloys and all this sort of thing. We won those games without anything, but six weeks into the season, we picked up Raul Dravid. I remember, yeah. So we won three of the first four games, and Raul came in as our overseas professional, who was magnificent, by the way. 600 runs, 10 innings, 300s. Never forget watching him bat. What a joy. But we only won one game with Raul Dravid in our side for the rest of the year. The Scottish boys played with Hart, Adrenaline, I can still remember standing on the balcony at Old Trafford with about 3,000 Scots, bagpipes, you like, cheering us at the end of the day. It was amazing scenes, amazing scenes. Raul Dravid, that was my sort of first early memories as a young cricketer, I think, you know, looking at the Scottish team. I'd I'd be young then, I'd be, I don't know, maybe 15, maybe 16, I think, maybe. And I remember thinking, wow, like he he was someone I looked up to and thought, what a player, mate. What was he like? Is it, what made him so classy? Is his temperament or technique? He was just unreal, wasn't he? So one, first and foremost, 
humble, a gentleman, and an absolute genius with a bat in his hand. But there's very few cricketers, I think, that get to his level, and you've really got to put him in the Tendulkar, the Lara, the Ponting level. Maybe even a Darren Lehman, who I thought was really gifted, didn't play as much as he should have, but these guys were magicians at Damien Martin with a bat in their hand. Mm-hmm. Raul was always considered to be, you know, defensive. When he played for us in the one-day games, by the time he got to about 80 or 90, when he started to hit, he hit big, and he never failed to hit anything, I reckon, that didn't go into a gap. I never saw him get caught in the deep ever. Um, he, he was just fantastic, and all of us, players and coaches and whatever else, you don't coach guys like that. You work with them, mm. um, and they teach you so much. And uh, such a beautiful human being. And, um, yeah, no, look, one of the great thrills of my life to have spent some time with him like we did. Juddy, I, I, I want to wanna fast forward a little bit now. You know, I remember the, the, the county stuff very well. And, you, you know, you, you, you've been very humble there um, and talking about that and talking about the boys. But, you know, you've got to take credit because we had never competed at that level before. Um, you know, maybe a couple of Benson Hedges, Cup games and stuff in the years previous. And we'd never really competed properly. You worked very closely with, with, with Wrighty as captain. Um, and both of you formed a very good partnership. And you did. You, 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 you punched well above your weight. And, and you like for the youngsters like myself... Hussein would have been the same for Flanners, Richie Berrington's. You kind of gave us that there's something to push for. You know, we want to play against the counties. We we want to get in there and and be part of this team. And I think that's it's kind of been missed a little bit. Um, I I I think it, I, th- I think it's a bit missed. I know we've got this regional competition now, and you know, great work Cricket Scotland are doing to try and push that forward. But playing against eleven professionals two two times a week with a couple of hired gun pros. You know, you've got to raise the bar, um, and I think it's I think it's a, I think it's a little bit missed. I want to fast forward and talk about some tours. Um, one tour in particular, one of probably the best time uh, of my life. Uh, we went over to play in Bermuda, and we went over to play in Canada. Um, you were assistant coach at that time to Pete Steindl. Yeah, I know we called you the we called you the analyst at the time more than the assistant yeah. coach. You spent a lot of time on the old laptop. But let's talk about Bermuda first. So we arrived in Bermuda. What was that like, Juddy, first night? Bloody hell. (laughs) I can't remember everything, but um, I can remember what I do remember about that tour in particular. I'd just come back from Australia. I tried to get back out here in 2008. I got back and Peter Steindl basically offered me a £1,500 gig with Scotland, which included being assistant at the time. And I'm very indebted to Peter Steindl. He, he saved my life in some, well, not so my life, but we had a stepson, obviously, getting him to Australia's hard work. And um, Peter approached me. I'd only ever coached Peter twice in my lifetime, and then he retired. And he approached me and said, would you like to be my assistant coach? But I've only got 1,500 pounds. So that's that tour. But... I, I don't remember any specific tours so well now, Kaz, other than I'll, everywhere. I'll refresh, I'll... Your memory. I'll refresh your memory. Good, so we arrived, go for it. We arrived on the first night and it was like the Bermudan local, it was like the, the, like the, the mayor of the, the mayor or something like that hosted yeah. us on this beautiful. That's right. Now you're talking. Yeah. Spot. 
fish galore, and we were just like treated like royalty. Yeah, like we had some amazing tours, but um, that particular tour, if you remember at the end, we also had a tropical cyclone. I remember arriving in Canada to answer my phone and my wife said, don't get angry, I'm pregnant. I so I immediately, I've never seen I immediately, so emotional. Yeah, I immediately said, "Is that Jesus from yeah. <laughs> uh, from Greenland or <laughs> whatever else?" But uh, um, so it was memorable for a number of reasons. But what's memorable about touring, Kasim, thanks to you, is that somehow or another you managed to convince every hotel in the world that your name was Tony Judd. Got my room key and trashed my room. You wee bastard, you. Jaddy, honestly, that night, I've never forgot about it. You know, we beat Canada, so we beat Bermuda. I got you with a $90 phone call yep. where I told you you had to pay $90. I'll never forget it. You were on the phone just going, now, now, now. Nah. Can't get out the Bermuda cricket board. Um, we won in Bermuda. We, we enjoyed it. Went to Canada. Tough, tough. Played in hot conditions. Beat Canada. Yep. And then it was the last night. We'd had a good time. We'd come back to the hotel. I'd went to the reception and said, hi, my name's Tony Judd. I've lost yeah. my key. You look like a Tony uh, Judd, but enough. Yeah, there you go. There's Tony Judd right there. Pakistan, Scottish Asian with a, with a beard. I'm yeah. Tony Judd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I managed to get your key. I, I, my, my acquaintance was, was Richie Berrington. Um, yeah, of course and, it was. And uh, I went up to your room. Now, you'd actually been out with us that night, but you'd gone home maybe about midnight or so. So you were in, I've come into the room and you were snoring, like deep, deep snoring. And I never just had a, people always say it was a jug. It was a bin this big, filled to the brim with water and ice. And I remember yeah. I peered around the corner. You were lying in your boxers, Jaddy. <laughs> and I launched the bucket. And oh my God, I'm su- I'm sorry, Jaddy, to this day, I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't have a bloody heart attack or something. Because when yeah. I hit you, you, you obviously had this shock. And when I went to run out, Bennington locked me in the room and I was like, <laughs> pulling the door, I could hear you going, Aah. I managed uh, to get out and, uh, and uh, the next morning you came down to breakfast. Fair play to you, Jaddy, I thought you were going to kill me. But you, <laughs> you came down, you just gave me a smirk uh, and said, hmm, all right. And we were having a training session <laughs> the next day or something. And you'd basically sent out my water bottle and you filled it with wasabi. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I remember I was guzzling this wasabi <laughs> and I hit the floor. <laughs> Johnny, ah, great, great, great times, man. Great times. They were great times. And it happens all over the world. You realize that I had about 97 birthdays while I toured. Because every time I got, every time I got in a plane or a restaurant, everyone come up and saying happy birthday to me because of you bastards. Richie, yeah. Richie, Richie was the best everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, I, everywhere we went, he just tapped with the waiters. Where's our buddy? The one in Namibia, the one in Spurs at Namibia was the best one, where I had about fifteen Namibians coming up and doing happy birthday in some sort of African chant. And that was, and I just, I got to the stage either on a plane or in a restaurant going, thank you, everyone, yeah, thank you. Appreciate you, it. You Thanks very much. Thanks very much for a great night. Every time the happy birthday started, I think you knew this is coming yeah. in direction. But I used to go home sometimes off the planes with about 15 little miniature bottles of whiskey and things like that because the hosties would give me presents and the 
the pilot would say congratulations and happy birthday, and those were the days, weren't they? Those were the days. Um, I, I think there's a really important point. Most of those things happen at the end of a tour, uh, as you remember. And my motto in life was, you know, yeah, Australia travels and they get five-day breaks between games and they go and play golf. And they, When we travelled, we were lucky to get an hour's break, if you remember, yeah. because of budget. Um, so when you got to your last night or a rest night, you made the most of it. And I also think in sporting terms, if you can't treat this as a game, and a game means fun, yeah. if you can't find a way to enjoy it whilst you're in it, um, give it away because they each are life. And um, I was really – I remember when Peter Steindl appointed me as his assistant coach, I said, all right, Pete, happy to do this, but remember one thing, when it's the last night or a rest night, I'm me, not what you want me to be. And I've been that way. I've been that way all through my cricket career. You, so, uh, Mr. Judd, you've just walked right into this one, right? So uh, uh, there's been some memorable victories uh, as your assistant coach. Um, there's been some great performances. You know, you alluded to you're the first coach to take, um, you know, win an I Cup with Scotland, which is an unbelievable achievement. And I'll, I'll probably get you to talk about that a little bit. But there was a a T20 international um, in Holland. And yeah, I know. <laughs> your, your, your love child, Richard Barrington, I think he scored 100 and, 105 balls. What an incredible game. I remember it well because I think I batted, I was supposed to bat three. I got knocked down to four. I came in the last ball of the game, hit it straight up and I got caught. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, we proceeded to beat Bangladesh. What a performance. Yeah. And that obviously we were going home the next day. Would you like to tell me what preceded after that evening into the next morning? Yeah, I think I know. I can't remember at all, but I know that by the time I got on the bus, Steindl had banned me from something. I can't remember what I was banned from. A miserable, <laughs> so, what a miserable bastard. We just won our first ever T20 International. Barrington scored 100 in like record time, uh, whatever else, and Steindl said, you're late for the bus, so you're, you're, you're getting it. Jandy, you were the you're the assistant coach, right? And I have to admit, yep. the bus was leaving at a certain time, and even all the players were on the bus, uh, maybe a little bit bleary eyed after being in. It was either Amsterdam or Rotterdam the night before, one of the two. Um, and I remember it well. I remember Pete going bloody mental, going back to the room, knocking the room. No one could get you up, mate. It was uh, it was it was a summer achievement that day. Oh, well, I was genuinely tired. It was emotional. It had nothing to do with having a couple of quiet ones to celebrate the greatest win we'd had in years. A couple of frothies. No, it was that, that for me was a, was a cracker. Yeah. And talking about planes, Shaky. Talking about planes. Was there not a story Kenny goes Yeah, what's this, what's this about uh, a plane journey that you practically... Road rage. Yeah. Road, road rage. Or air rage. Road rage. Air rage. There's not much to it. Other than I said to Gosman, why the hell are you pointing in Stanger or Captain of the Club when you've got me? A Greenock, that is. I couldn't wait. Stroppy was fantastic. He was a great man, but a little bit too um, process-driven for my liking. I'm more impulse. But Gosman said I was, yeah. But you've got to remember that Greenock emptied the plane of everything it had. It was Jimmy Leffick's stag we were on. Right. 
And there were things that we were drinking on that flight because we don't, I never normally drink that I can't even remember. Um, but this was a holiday, don't forget. It wasn't a serious tour. I wasn't working at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, Gosman's got no right to speak. I mean, let's face it. The man drove around Barbados in a mini moat with no roof on, decided that his head was sunburnt, went into the petrol station, tried to buy the cap off the girl that was working in the petrol station. She refused because it was her only cap. So then he proceeded to drive around with a poly bag taped to his head. And by the time he took it off, his head, his brains were on the outside of his head. It looked like he'd melted. He's no right to talk at all. I'm not putting up with him and just saying, well, there was that one incident. That man is an incident full stop. But, <laughs> but no greater supporter, no greater human being I've ever met in my life, champion. Anyone drink double vodka Red Bull like the man? But what a man. Quadruple vodka Red Bulls, Ryan. Quadruple vodka Red Bulls. And um, no one ever made you feel more alive or happy than when Kenny was in a room. Mm. And, um, and his support and love for Scottish cricket, you never can fault that, ever, ever. Anyone said anything bad against him, I'd uh, be extremely upset. Okay. Jimmy Lepic as well. Jimmy had his moments, but uh, Jesus Christ, he always put his money where his mouth was too. Yeah, not just for me, Scotland as well. Yeah. Then he came and did assistant coach stuff, didn't he? Was it, sorry, he was the team manager, wasn't he, when you were assistant in Dubai, the T20s and stuff like that. He was brilliant. Who, Kenny? Yeah, he was brilliant. To yeah. Him. No, he's, he's, he's – and would have looked after each and every one of you to the best of his ability. Yeah. I know he had issues while well, he was involved with the Magic Hack demise, which I wasn't, obviously. Um, but I even think Kenny felt pain about that. I mean, he didn't want to lose him either. But, you know, you have choices or you don't have choices or there's rules and there's not rules. Um, interesting times, I suppose. But, you know, Scotland has done significantly fantastic things way after my time. And, um, you know, Peter Steindl had a lot to do with a lot of people as well. We're all different how we approach things. We're all different coaches. Um but I personally feel, for me, I was as proud to represent Scotland as I've ever been proud to do anything in my life. Anything. You know, it's like if you give, if you've got a chance to compete on the world stage, well, what are you going to do about it? Just expect to get beaten or you want to go and try and win? And I think, you know, Greg Williamson, I can remember, I took the captaincy off him as soon as I took the job and gave it to Wrighty. But I asked Greg, would he performed certain roles within the batting order, opening the batting and going. And he never once flinched either. He was terrific as well. There were some players that found it really hard to adjust to the approach. In fact, when I took over Scotland, you were still playing for draws in one-day cricket. And I got rid of that and said, it's winner-take-all because that's what we do when we play counties or when we're playing ODIs. Um, but guys like Greg Winston, and, and then, yeah, I made mistakes too. I had... I never picked Neil McCallum for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a really horrible mistake because you, you walk away from that and realise what I missed with him wasn't so much about technical ability to cope. It was about the heart to cope. And um, I've apologised to Neil about that profusely. It's one of my sad things. I've had run-ins with players. I've had arguments with players. I've dropped players. Uh, I've ended players' careers. 
that that sport it happens, and you got to all reflect on that. And whether I was right or wrong, I'm happy to reflect on that. And whatever a player now thinks of me or doesn't think of me, well, that's okay too. Um, but I don't think I had any other interest in my heart other than what I thought would win us games. I never played to draw and I never played to lose. Um, I can remember after my time, Scottish side settling for being 580 off 50 overs and thinking they're doing a great job. Waste of time. Yeah. I remember you winning us uh, a game at the Dubai World Stadium, uh, Ryan, yeah. on the last ball of the day. Well, I always played to win. Ryan Watson was enormous. I used to open the batting with him. When I left, they put him down to four or five. Ryan Watson won us more games than most blokes yeah. because he could. But when he hit, I think, in my opinion, when he hit down at four or five, it cost us games. Things like that. Now, this is all hindsight, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I've never said there's no such thing as uh, bad coaches. We're different coaches. Um, but I never had any other attitude after what Mike Hendricks said to me. Well, I'm not doing this unless I think I can win. And that was my motto. And I needed to find cricketers like yourselves and people like that were prepared, Kazim, talented, prepared to try and win games. And I saw photos of you recently, Shaky, uh, you know, standing next to um, Shaib Akhtar and people like that because you got to play against Pakistan. Well, I got to coach against my own country. I got to coach against England. I got to, you know, I got to coach at Lords, at Headingley, at the Oval, Trent Bridge, um, all over the world. I mean, Jesus, we were lucky. But you shouldn't be there as a, as a, you're part of it. You're there to try and win it. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I just don't see any other way. No, I like, I like, I like your, um, I like your attitude. And I do think um, we had a, I don't know if you caught it, we had a World Cup podcast where we had all the, had all the, all, all the previous World Cup captains. And it was George Salmond, actually, that, that talked about it. And he said, you know, 99 World Cup, you know, we made the World Cup, but we didn't really um, compete compared to what years down the line the game evolved. Um, and he gave you a lot of credit and your partnership with Righty that, you know, you kind of changed the mindset of Scottish cricket. And and, 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 and listening to you today, you, you know, you're, you're, you clearly went out there to win this whole let's let's take part nonsense. It's, it's, it's no good. And I think you, you, you've highlighted as well, Scottish cricket then went on from there, and I think um, yeah. you know Pete Pete done a Pete done a good job. But I think it was time as well for the likes of a Grant Bradburn to come in, and he yeah. took the game, he took the game forward as well to the point where we're beating England at the Grange. I mean that would never have happened ten years previous. No, no, and yeah, you know, you're right, Kazim and um, Andy Moles to me yeah, was yeah. a good fella as well, you know, and um, yeah, at some point saying well, you like this or you like that. But there's no way an Ireland or an Afghanistan or a Scotland, Netherlands can compete on the world stage unless if you're fond of losing, give up. Just give it away. You've got to try and win. And the only way you'll learn to become to the level that the players above us are at is to go at them the same way they'll go at you. And uh, I had no doubt about that in all my life. That was the key. So if you played, you had to be playing for a reason. You, you were there for a reason, not just to 
well, let's hope we win today. That's that's garbage. Um, you know, Craig Wright was a very, very intense man and a very driven cricketer. And for a bloke, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, that what skill set he had, do you know what the skill set he had? Whatever it was, he was just good at it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him nick off some of the best players in the world. Right? No pace, no nothing. I've seen McCallum's make 50s and 100s. I've seen Ryan and Kazim Shakes do well at this level, right? And it's harder to do it consistently because you don't have the consistent competition. Yeah. But why be there unless you want to be like that? I, I, I don't get that. And, um, you know, I work with uh, – my job now is to work with coaches of all sports here in the Northern Territory. Have a bit to do with cricket again these days over here. Um, yeah, I'm getting to the stage where I, I could do with some refreshes. I need to learn more too because nothing stands still. You don't own anything and, and nor, nor as a coach are you responsible for anyone or everything. Players have got to realise they're pretty much responsible for their own careers. Coaches are there to help them get there. Mm-hmm. And you might have hiccups, but that's fine. That's life. Um, but at the end of the day, you, me, you, everyone, I've got to sit back and go, what could I have done more that I, that I didn't do? And I'll live with I, – I, I toy with that and I think about it. There was more things I could do. There, you know, I heard a re- really good podcast recently. Another colleague of mine here in um, Australia who's a coach developer. Mm-hmm. And when someone asked him, what do you do for a living? He said, oh, I coach cricketers. And the guy kept asking him, so what, yeah, what's that mean? Well, I, I do this and I do that. He said, you're not, a, you're not in the coaching business. He said, you're in the people business. Mm-hmm. And that resonates really well with me. Uh, you really are dealing with a whole lot of personalities at a given time. Yeah. For all the will in the world, you hope it all clicks, but sometimes it doesn't. And you, you don't meet eye to eye or you can't form that relationship with that particular person. So... Um, but even then, both parties have to look inwards rather than outwards. Is it my fault or their fault? Johnny, That's I think, what I think. Johnny, I think one thing, you know, looking back with yourself was you always sort of, you, you gave everyone, you know, a lot of time. You gave everyone a lot of attention. You, you know, you, you, be, you were there for people and you, you, you're right, you did motivate people. I remember you saying to me when I was walking out to the Oval, just go, go and take it to them. And, uh, you know, go go after them. And I got hit second ball in the flipping face by Jade Dernbach. And I was still yeah. thinking, Jesus Christ. And then, you know, I, I might have just took that, you know, that advice a little bit too far. So I tried to hit Yasser Arafat out the ground second ball and nicked off. <laughs> but, yeah. but at least you're having a go. Do you know what I mean? And that's what you, you sort of installed that, I think, with the lads. Uh, well, well, the other thing too, Ryan, with that is, is, is practice how you want to play. Yeah. That was the other thing I, I think I did. All along was all I did was bring Greg Shippards, who's a fantastic coach. He was my mentor in Tasmania. He's just recently won the the Big Bash League again with the Sixers. Yeah, he's been coaching for thirty odd years. He's the longest serving cricket and very highly rated. But he always said, you know, practice how you want to play. It's no good going to the nets. Uh, and just doing what you want to do. I mean, you've got to have a reason. So if I want you to open the batting and I want you to go after him, then that's how I want you to train. Yeah. Um, which I go back to Ryan Watson's of the world. I mean, 
You have no idea when we first started with all the amateurs. I mean, Colin Smith was finishing a game at 9 o'clock in Aberdeen and turning up at Lancashire at 5 in the morning and playing at 11. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christ. Uh, when I started, there was no centralised cricket Scotland. So I used to have to travel to Aberdeen, to Edinburgh, to Air, to train with boys, yeah. to, to try and get them to play the way we wanted to play. Uh, you drew Parsons, I remember people. Some of these guys all fall by the way, so they couldn't commit to what was needed to be committed to. Um, yeah, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a cakewalk. It was, but by God, it was fun. I can tell you that. And John, what uh, was your favourite? So taken back because you've mentioned a lot of decent memories there. What would you say maybe as? So if you could pick one memory as a full team. Coach Scotland coach and one as your assistant coach. What was your, your your two memories that you could sort of live with for the rest of your life? Uh, without doubt, those first four games of um, we lost one of them, but uh, the first four games in the English County League was immense. I mean, we beat Durham, our first ever game in this thing. They had Javagal Srinath, Steve Harmison, Paul Collingwood. Uh, there were blokes everywhere. Then Somerset had, uh, you know. Coxes, Nixon McLean's, Andrew Caddick. So all these guys are superstars. Lancashire had your Hoopers and your Stuart Laws and all this. I think we just we were just high on what a great opportunity this is for Scotland. And, you know, to the administrators in Scotland and to the ICC, they've taken you so much further forward. Um, yeah, that was awesome. As an assistant coach... Yeah, well, I guess I'm very honoured to serve under Peter. I think I was a really good foil for him. Peter was a very, very driven man and very processed, mm -hmm. whereas I was the opposite. I was more gut instinct, more, you know, and we bounced off each other magnificently well. I was so grateful to him for getting me back into the fold, if you like. But our, our tour to Namibia, and my mate Laurie Peters and people like that, um, that was awesome. That was a great tour. We won everything, I think, pretty much out there. And Namibia was a pretty decent team. Yeah. But also, I couldn't get access to Dougie Brown and Gavin Hamilton very often when I started because they played for England. But to have Gav Hamilton be a part of my team for a number of years, uh, but also to win that Intercontinental Cup, it's the only time Scotland's won it. So it's the minor test championship, if you like. Uh, Fraser Watts burst onto the scene. Kyle Kurtzer burst onto the scene. Yeah, you know, they were 17 and whatever. I found Fraser Watts down at Leicester and went and had a net with him at Leicestershire and right, you're going to be part of this journey for yeah. such a long time. Uh, yeah, I could mention so many people. Somebody, um, somebody I wanted to bring, to bring to your attention who I think you had a a massive influence on when I remember playing against him first time was uh, D. Walt Nell. He, he used to run in off about five steps. You can see he had an action, a little bit overweight, but under you, playing under your coaching, he transformed into one of the best opening bowlers Scotland's ever had. He's such a lovely boy. Um, I'm not sure I did have that much to do with him in that sense, Kaz, but uh, he had what I always used to look for, outswing. Mm. So as soon as I could see someone bowl outswing, I mean, I used to get really interested because uh, 
That's wicket taking. So again, you're trying to win games. Yeah. And D Watt had that. And as he grew and got fitter and stronger, uh, poor bastard though. Um, we're playing at the Oval uh, against South Africa. It's the beginning of our World Cup T20 campaign. And I hit a ball that broke his finger in the warm up and he was out of the tournament. He was out of the tournament. And one of my great sadnesses was the blow up with John Blaine, Peter Steindl, Gav Hamilton in that World Cup campaign. Uh, I know John's back in the fold, I think, and, you know, life moves on. But um, what happened there, Juddy? What happened in the uh, ball? What happened? Uh, I just, John was upset with the way things were heading and what was being done or who, how he was being used. And I think he'd been criticised for being too expensive after a particular game. And he just blew his top. And, um, you know, uh, I wonder whether he regrets that. I don't know. Um, oh, a good mate of John's, you know, I got on really well. And I sat in the room with him and I said, don't go. And mm-hmm. you know, there's a way through this and whatever else. But he chose to do what he chose to do. There's a few players that um, won't forgive him for that. Um, I Well, this is like anything to me is that none of us, own this damn thing. None of us do. And we never will. So if I coached you for a wee bit and I coached you for a wee bit, Kaz, and well, I'm part of your journey. I'm, I'm not the end and I'm not the beginning and I'm not the story. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get to the highest level, you really manage players. You don't necessarily coach them. You just set environments where they get better. Yeah. So you don't change their techniques. You don't do whatever else. You just help them do what they're seeking to do. Who's the best player you've coached? In Scotland or anywhere? Scotland. Um, I'd probably say, um, because I spent so much more time with him than anyone else, was Richie. Yeah. Uh, I've sort of always been disappointed that his all-round capabilities weren't as good as they could be, but seeing that little bugger gets going with a bat, it's, it's kind of spe- – I remember him driving Brett Lee for four and, you know, he's only like a 17-year-old kid and shit like that. And um, I remember those things. And because he'd grown up in Greenock, um, uh, he owes me bugger all as well. That's what I'm saying. I was just snippets and parts of the journey. I spent more time with Richie trying to get him okay to travel, trying to get him to – yeah, he had real issues. I mean, he's he the whole like, – like, He didn't like – I remember getting on a plane. I, th- I think it was back from Namibia. And he's holding my hand and saying, "Why won't the hostess sit down? Because the seatbelt signs on." Hey, he's shitting himself. I and, um, yeah, I'm sure he, he'd admit that. I'm sure he'd admit that. But you know, people. Some people can travel. Some people can't. And um, I know he's a dad now. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, look. Hats off to him. What a what a long career, and he survived all this and uh, managed to travel the world. Should he have and played fought... um, county cricket? Hey? Should he have played county cricket? Well, I know that story very well because I drove him down and had a meeting with Matthew Hoggart, and it was all signs signed, sealed, and delivered. And as we travelled back up the road to Greenock the next night, Richie, I think you should do this. And his real problem was he didn't want to leave home. And he, he knocked it back. Matthew Hoggett had him sign, yeah, sealed, well. delivered. I, I remember talking to him as well and just saying, Richie, man, you don't want to pass this by. 
but I was out in Brisbane with him for six months as well, and he he doesn't he doesn't like to be away from home. He's obviously the oldest Ooh. siblings of a big big family, loads of younger sisters, close with his parents as well. But Richie was the two weeks before he went away, and the two weeks prior to travelling home would be sick. Mm-hmm. He, he'd worry himself to death, mm-hmm. shit himself to death, and um, you know that's we know now that that's a condition. It's not that he was weak or something wrong. He generally got himself so low and so. I can always remember on a longer tours, he'd come good about week three and four, and then taper at the end. He was useless at the start, good week three and four, and then taper off at the end, knowing that he had to go home by plane or things like that. Um, What a shame, because I think he could have had a very successful county career as well. And um, incredible cricketer, mate. Like, I remember making my debut, I made my Scotland debut against India, remember, at Clydesdale. And that was, and I got, I, I think I got 26 looking really good, left a straight one, got bowled. Richie came in. Yep. Did he hit yeah, Monib and Richie. Seven That's right. I mean, say good to Monib, Vic, but when you can too. Yeah. What a useless wee bastard he was. <laughs> but I, lo- I loved him to bits. Now, I picked him when he was 16. Yeah, that's right. Youngest. youngest so, player. so, you know, but I loved him to bits. And he played a bit of Greenock as well. But, you know, he doesn't know which tree is up. <laughs> He's coming on, Jaddy. He's coming on. Is he? Uh, you say good day for me. You tell him I, you're tell you're him I send him a fond farewell. Everybody's big eyes. He's got your big yeah. eyes, buddy. Yeah, but you know what, you guys, I mean, you're bringing back floods here and uh, I'm probably going to miss somebody and whatever else, but uh, it's really important. I was very proud of what I did over there and I'll always will be. And, um, and I, I don't think I left on too bad of terms either. And um, uh, it was... Just Shaky, a hoot. Shaky might disagree. Well, yeah, Shaky, be... Shaky said he needs to say sorry to me for something. He yeah, doesn't. You know, like, I, listen, I'm at a stage in life, Juddy. You know, you know me. You toured with me. We played. We, we you know, I, I got the pleasure of working with you on a lot of occasions. And sometimes me and you would have a few disagreements. You know, I'm quite opinionated, and and you're quite a strong character. But by the by, we always pretty much we would just iron it out and, and, and move on. You know, obviously, you know, obviously I, I, um, I spoke out in an article a good couple of years ago um, where I, emotional, you know, you're that passionate about playing for your country. You've done it from such a young age. You know, Pete, you mentioned Pete. Pete was my under-13 coach and had a big influence on me. And Pete, I'll put this on record and saying because I think some people think I, I, I was maybe right to say a lot of the things I said. I would never have gone to T20 World Cup if it wasn't for Pete. I wasn't going to come to it for a trial game, and it was Pete who called me. I wasn't going to get to play against New Zealand in an ODI. Ryan Watson didn't want to pick me. I watched it in front of me in the warm-up, and Pete fought my corner to be in that game, and I got to play against New Zealand. Going out of the fray and not playing for a couple of, you know, quite a while and trying to iron it out with Pete, I felt at the time Pete had just kind of closed, closed the door on me. And I, I did what I did. Um, it's something that I've, you know, regret. You know, I think it should have been dealt with behind closed doors. Um, and I also named you, but I'm not. I'm sorry in some ways to you, but you did make me drive all the way from bloody Sheffield, and you batted me at nine in a regional T20 game. Come, 
like I, I was gutted. I was going driving up the road that that all the way back to Sheffield, nine hours of driving in one day, just going, Juddy. <laughs> but at, at the same time, Juddy, you had a big influence in me in cricket, and I do want to apologise to you for naming you in that article. I hope you don't. I, look, I'm not even sure I even saw it, Kaz, and I'm getting that old now. I'm 57. I'm not even sure I remember it. Yeah, I, I don't have any bad blood towards anything over there uh, at all. So you're free. Let it go. I, I'm, uh, working, I'm working on trying to somehow – he's not He's not responded to me yet. <clears throat> Mate, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get Pete on a, on a podcast. I would love to yeah. – yeah, I haven't spoken to him for a year or so either, but I, I did WhatsApp him the other day saying, have a chat, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, look, he, he was terrific for me too. And, Joe, as I said earlier, I think um, we don't always – none of us get it right. Some of us get it wrong, and you, you may well have the right case there. But at the time, who knows what was thinking, what was going on. So – I, I, I won't answer for it now other than to say that I certainly never walked away from you or anyone else for that matter going, I hate that man. I'll never speak to him again. Well, you know what I mean? Know, that's never, that's, that's, that's never happened. And um, the only thing um, uh, probably I was disappointed with towards the end of my first stint with Scotland was, Who's afford to get rid of me? I got out before they got rid of me, so it didn't matter. But um, I, I figured that it wasn't um, worth the fight. And when they went full-time, I wasn't prepared to commit and live in Edinburgh full-time when we didn't have full-time athletes. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much my reasoning. Halfway through my second year with Scotland, I was pretty much offered full-time work in Edinburgh. See, um, no, because you don't have full time way forward at that time, but it's all one of the bridge. But you also don't want you just don't want always someone wants your job or someone wants your place, and uh, a little bit uh, intriguing by the end of it. Yeah. Have we gone? No, 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 you're still there. You're back, Juddy. Your head's moving but again. Juddy, what's uh, we, we had a lovely we've got the pleasure of speaking to your lovely wife, George. Did you hear all that? Yeah, we heard it. You, you, you froze, but we heard what you said. Ricky, um, one more story. One more. Go for it. Go for one it. One more story. One more story, Juddy. Oh, God, he's a great guy. You there? You're back, You're back Juddy. We're still there. We're still yeah, okay. Mate. You're there, mate. One story. One more story, Juddy, right? You've got, you've got Neil McCallum. You've got Richie Barrington. You've got yeah. Gordon Gowdy, right? You've got some real characters, right? Gouds, obviously, you, 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 I'm bet you've got a few stories with, with old Gouds. Gouds had a big arse like Maka as well, to be fair. Um, massive, massive toilet. There's one, there's one story, mate, um, and it was in Dubai, and we're all sitting having a lovely team meal in Dubai, remember, uh, after the I Cup game, and there was a red wine that you were proceeding to drink a lot of the time. Can you remember that you thought the red wine was quenching your thirst you thought someone had spiked your water what was that with you remember oh red wine with tabasco wasn't it <laughs> huh you idiots oh, by the way i forgot to mention gordon gary a really good favorite of mine as well and uh uh when you bump into him next tell him i said uh what, what i want to say 
Yeah, okay. You you were a wee tadger as well, basically. <laughs> but, um, um, Joe, that's the funny thing, guys, before we hang up. Um, it was awesome. I, I don't regret a minute of it. I'm a very lucky life to have done what I've done. And Scotland gave me that, so I ain't complaining one bit. Yeah. yeah Juddy, to come, to come to the back end, it was lovely. Before we came on to record, we got to say hello to Joan and your daughter, Beth, who's now no longer the little, you know, she's a, she's, she's grown up. She'd caught a, she caught a fish earlier yeah. on today. She was pretty happy yeah. with herself. How, how's life, how's life for you now? You're happy? You, you're settled? Mate, we'll never leave Darwin now. We're, we're settled here. I've got a pretty good job. Joan's got an excellent job. She's, she's gone up in her career. My uh, Beth is lovely. Our stepson Fraser's back in Scotland with you guys, but he went to visit his dad about 12 months ago and COVID hit. And he hasn't come back. All right, okay. And he can't, he can't, he can't come back at the moment. There's no way. Um, but he also needs to grow up and get on with life. He's 18 now, so get on with it. Um, we are delighted with our life. As I get older now, I just want to drift off into the sunset. And can I tell you though, boys? Darwin is COVID safe. Darwin is fantastic. If you ever come to Australia. And you just do Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, and wherever else, you pricks. <laughs> you bring your family, you bring your wives, you bring girlfriends. You get up here, I'll show you a really good time up here. It's a great place. I'd love to. Um, you can see in the background behind my right shoulder, it keeps changing color. I see a pool That's my there. swimming. That's my swimming pool, yeah. Nice. Love it, Johnny. Every, every day of the year I'm out. Side, I sit out here every day of the year. I'm very proud to be a part of this, by the way. And I hope what you're doing with COVID is going really well. Now, I can do you a favor. Sorry, not with COVID, with your podcast. I can do you a favor, Kaz. Sounds good. I'll, I'll get you an interview if you ask me nicely with Greg Shepard. Yeah, that would be awesome, mate. I was Who, when, when you mentioned it earlier in the pod, I was waiting till we maybe got off and I was going to ask you, but that would be awesome, mate. He doesn't. He won't do silly stuff. He'll do. You want to talk about coaching? Yeah. You want to talk about life in general yeah. and what he's done with all the players? IPL, uh, Victoria, Tasmania. He knocked back the New Zealand job. He knocked back working with Jeff Masters, assistant coach for Australia. This guy is a coaching genius. Yeah, no, it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome to chat. So. If you email me and work it out with me, I'll try and put him on. And if he says yes, well and good. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything. He'll just do it. The man's up. I don't have it. Don't have it. So don't he want to, to, to find his feet? Be, it would need to be yeah. your, 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 your contact with them. Listen, well, maybe all four of us should be on that night. Why not? And I'll ask, I'll ask him the questions. Why not? Why not? Um, Juddy, this has been some journey so far. You know, we've had on guests from all over the world, you know, you're speaking to us all the way from Australia, you know, we've had world-class cricketers, but high-level coaches um, have really, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but Grant Bradburn had done a podcast with really, really interesting, really good insights, but yeah, we'd love to speak to Greg. Um, and I well, so Greg, 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 for example, takes you from facing Jeff Thompson to present-day coaching. Wow, wow. So he's just won the big, he's just won the big bash. Yeah, he's won it two years in a row. But he was Delhi Daredevil's first ever coach. Um, this guy, uh, so how, name a soccer coach 
Oh, sorry, I'll tell you how he is. This is what he is. He is the Alex Ferguson of cricket in Australia. Wow. Well, um, we need to get, we'll leave it. We'll leave it in your. Uh, we'll leave it in your capable. Very kind of you to to th- to to offer to to speak to him. Well, um, I hope your podcast go well. I hope the podcast go well and it gets bigger and bigger. Thank you, Juddy. Been an absolute then, pleasure taking a trip down memory lane with you, my friend. Well, listen. All I can say to you both is take care. If you ever get this part of the world and you don't look me up, you're a couple of pricks. No, that can happen, Juddy. We'd have to get over to Darwin, jump in that pool. Neil McCallum, oh. we get him over there. You need some... You need hey, some Kaz, Kaz. You need Kaz, some in that pool. Uh, Kaz, can we have a quiet little red wine together? No. <laughs> do you think we could do... Can we not do some halal whiskey or something like that? If you can get that? some halal whiskey, if you can get some halal whiskey or some... Uh, yeah, you get halal meat on the, in, in, in that part. Well, you know what? I can. Yes, we do. We can we can go out and catch some fish. Darwin is the most multicultural place in the world, mate. Really? Every nationality in the world's here. Yeah, every nationality. Well, as long as we can get some halal. Uh, meat, in fact, some in fact, I, I've got a mosque a kilometre up the road for you. Really? Seriously? No shit. That's impressive. Every Friday, every Friday today. Uh, Flanners, can you do me a favour? Get a fucking tan. <laughs> <laughs> Not like this one, though. I'm fucking glowing tonight. But Your face is like no, a melted welly, well, you old bastard. Look at the colour of my arms. Like, they're better. They didn't get burnt today, but fucking... We love you, Jerry. So, we love you, old boy. We love you. Thanks so much. Thanks for ha- oh, 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 I didn't do this. I should have done it. Fuck it. Fuck Let's it. See. I forgot. There he is. <laughs> Johnny. Johnny the legend. I think Craig Wright left a couple of boogers on it. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Johnny. Cheers, Johnny. Love you both. Take care. See